the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I wonder if we've come to that point yet in our own individual lives, that we are decreasing as Jesus is increasing. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we continue our study in the book of John chapter 1. We're going to be in John chapter 1. I entitled this message, Come and See. Have you ever seen something that was nothing short of, well, incredible? Something that you have never seen before. Well, if you're anything like me, you wish that others could see what you're seeing at that very moment. I remember when we first moved back to Washington, D.C., I was working in construction. I was laying floors in new construction. So I would be one of the last trades that would be there before the people would move in. So the typical thing was we would come and pull up the truck in front of the house. And then, you know, I would take about six or seven trips into the house, bringing in my tools, all the materials to get set up. Well, this one particular house, I'm walking in and out of it, doing my one of many trips back and forth. And I had noticed on the concrete step going into the house, on the face of the concrete, there was like this stick. You know, you kind of have that peripheral vision. You're just kind of noticing things. But all of a sudden, on my multiple trips, the stick was like this. Then the next trip in, the stick was like this. And then the stick was like this. And and all of a sudden, it just kind of dawned on me, wait a minute. That stick is not in the same place. How is that stick moving? So I remember I got down on my hands and knees and I'm looking and it had legs on it and it was moving. I'm like, oh my goodness. I ran into the house. There was a couple painters doing some touch-up work in the house. I said, you guys got to come and see this. This stick is moving. And so they came outside and, you know, they're like, well, that's a walking stick. I'm like, obviously it's walking. I see that. Okay. And he goes, yeah, they're all around. And I said, they don't grow these in California. And so what it ended up being, obviously, is part of the Pring Manus family. And it body, like about the same size of a Pring Manus, it looks identical to a twig, to a stick. But it's got legs on it. It's real and it's live. And I just couldn't believe it. So I, I scooped it into a bucket and I took it home. And I said, honey, honey. And I got my wife and my kids. And I said, you got to come and see this thing. And I had put a little bit of grass in and stuff. And they're looking like, what? I'm like, that. And they're like, what? I'm like, it's alive. And they, when they seen it, they're like, oh my goodness, it's alive. (laughs) It's like, so I had never seen anything like that. I'm sure that each and every one of us have our own come and see moments where we're grabbing someone to see what we have seen. Maybe it was like this farmer in uh, Stark County, Indiana on April 6th, 1938, where he told his wife, you're not going to believe what's out in the barn. And his wife said, well, what's in the barn? And he says, you better come and see for yourself because a newborn calf was born. It had two full-size heads and four full-size hind legs. 
Now, that's not something you see every day. And what about the handful of people in Washington state who have claimed to see Bigfoot? They also say, come and see. And people have, but they have not seen. <laughs> who are these people anyway? That all these people that see Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and all the aliens from other planets. Maybe all those people actually have something in common. Like late night pepperoni pizza loaded with anchovies maybe? I don't know. Just saying. Yes, some people have claimed to see many things. Everything from the crazy to the bizarre. But could you imagine seeing something that has never been seen before, like the God-man, the one who would deliver us from our present turmoil of sin and death? Well, today, as we continue in our study through the Gospel of John, in light of our title, Come and See, we will consider three points. Number one, those who seek. Now, you remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. So the first point is those who seek. Number two, those who come and see. Yes, somewhere along the line, people have to literally come and see if they ever want to see something. And number three, those who believe. Because we find, really, that those who seek, those who come and see, when they believe, that's when they find real life. Well, let's look at our first point, those who seek, as we read together, starting in John chapter 1, we'll pick up in verse 35. It says, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. Now, of course, this isn't John that wrote the gospel of John. This is John the Baptist. And we looked at him in detail last time. So again, John the Baptist is standing there with two of his disciples. And he looked upon Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and beheld them following, and he said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated, means teacher, Where are you staying? And he said to them, Well, come, and you will see. And they came, therefore, and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So it's about four o'clock in the afternoon. They're just hanging out here with Jesus. Now, again, we looked at John the Baptist. His calling was recorded by the prophets of the Old Testament. His mission was clearly spelled out by Isaiah the prophet, where Isaiah said he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness to make ready the way of the Lord. So he's to make ready the way of the Lord. He was the forerunner, you would say, of the Messiah. And now it was time for him to decrease as Jesus would increase. I wonder if we've come to that point yet in our own individual lives, that we are decreasing as Jesus is increasing. Because in this culture, the society that we live in, we're always trying to advance ourselves. We're trying to become more popular. We're trying to climb the corporate ladder, become more powerful. We're trying to get the most likes on our comments on our social media page. And how many followers do you have? All of these things. But really, we're to decrease as Jesus would increase inside of us. That just simply means that as people look into our eyes, they should see less of us, the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, and more of him, more of Jesus, where they would see him in my life. See, John the Baptist said to his disciples, as Jesus was walking by, behold the Lamb of God 
This was the third day of everything coming to a head for John the Baptist. His entire life, his calling from the foundation of the earth has now found its pinnacle in these last three days. All the time he spent preparing All the time that John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness, all of his baptizing for the forgiveness of sins has now come to a screeching halt. It's come to an end for the Messiah has come. Two days earlier, John said in verse 26 that there was one standing among them that was greater than him. The next day, John said, with power and passion, he says, behold, that word behold means stop, look and see the lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. And now here the third day, he stands next to his own prime disciples. And he says it once again, he says, behold, the lamb of God again, declaring to all that were hearing his voice. Would you stop? Would you look? Would you see? This is who you must seek after now. It's time to stop following me. You must seek and follow after him. Know this. There was a reason that they were following John the Baptist in the first place. For he was not like any other. He was not like the dead and boring religious leaders of his day. John was a radical. He was literally on fire. He had a holy passion and a holy desire to not draw attention to himself, but rather to what was coming. Yet nobody had ever seen one like John the Baptist. He had such focus. He had such a voice of passion inside. He had a lifestyle of action and a message of total and complete repentance to get right with the living God. Yet, The time had come for John the Baptist to step aside and all of the focus to now be placed on Jesus. As John tells his followers again in verse 36, behold, look, the lamb of God has come. Yes, Jesus was God in the flesh. And he came to die for the sin of all humanity. And now John, John here points him out for all the world to see. Well, two of his disciples who heard him saying this, they literally and instantly followed Jesus. So Jesus turned around and he said to these two young men, what do you seek? Well, they didn't really know what to say, probably a little nervous here. So they just asked him, well, where do you live? How about that? And Jesus said to them, well, come and see. Yes, like most people, we really don't have a clue what we're seeking for, do we? We just know we haven't found it yet. I wonder how many people in our sphere of life would be open to us saying, why don't you come and see my church? For the living God is alive and he is moving there. See, there are so many people in Los Angeles that are seeking for so many things, yet not finding any of them. That's why there's so many liquor stores, one on every corner. We have all these, you know, pot places that are popping up. There's drugs that are flowing, all of these things. There's all kinds of vices here in Los Angeles because people are seeking and they're not finding. There's so many therapists here. So many people have their own therapists because they're finding success. They're making more money than they've ever made, but yet again, they're not finding anything that can completes them on the inside. Which brings up our second point, those who come and see. 
Now notice, they didn't know what to say or to do except for this one thing. And that was to get to know this Jesus that John the Baptist had pointed out. And they were willing to come and see. Understand, Jesus was not only wanting us to come to him, but he wants us to come to know him. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship to be part of his plan. Understand, following Jesus is not joining some dead religion. It's not about walking in this life with a blindfold on. Jesus has great purpose for you and for me. He wants us to be used in his master plan of bringing salvation and hope to this sinful world that we live in. Yes, make no mistake about it, people need hope when we consider all the chaos that's in our country today, all the division, and what about the chaos chaos that's in the world also, like the mass shooting that just happened in Christchurch, New Zealand, where 50 people in two mosques were senselessly killed and dozens of others wounded. Now see, that hit a little close for me. We did a harvest crusade that was down in Christchurch, New Zealand. I had made multiple trips down to New Zealand. I've been there multiple times. And I remember how God was moving in my heart to start a church in New Zealand. And so I was praying for my wife literally for years. And I was just praying, Lord, I don't want to talk her into moving away from her children and her grandchildren and taking her halfway around the world. But I had such a burden for Christ Church. Let me tell you about Christ Church. You know, when Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he says, you know, go from, you know, Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, even to the remotest part of the world. Well, guess where the remotest part of the world is? It's Christchurch, New Zealand, because as the bird flies, it's the farthest place from Jerusalem of an inhabited city in the world today. And so when you go to Christchurch, it was named for Christ, and they've got a huge cathedral that sits right in the middle of the city. And I remember I was down there doing something not for Harvest, but I was a guest speaker at a huge camp down there for the whole country. And I remember I got down there a day early just to kind of unwind from the great jet lag that you have getting down down there because you leave here on Monday, you get there on Wednesday. It's like, what happened to Tuesday? I don't know. It's gone. And then when you fly back, you fly back like on a Friday and you get back four hours before you left. Like, wait a minute. I already did Friday. I have to do it again, you know? So anyway, but I was down there walking around and it just happened to be a beautiful day in Christchurch. And I just remember walking around, the sun was shining and I was just, you know, just kind of hanging out. Well, my cell phone goes off. So I pick it up and I'm like, hello, it's my wife. And she's like, so you've been talking to me for years about New Zealand. I said, yes, I have. And she says, so you think that we're supposed to move there? And I said, yes, I do. And she's like, okay, I go where you go. If you want us to go there and you think this is God calling us, then let's go to New Zealand. And I'm like, yes. So, I mean, I had the confirmation when I got back from that trip. I went into Pastor Greg Laurie's office. I said, boss, boss, I quit. He's like, where are you going? I said, Christ Church, New Zealand. And it's just like, wow. Well, as you know, we never made it there. (laughs) God had different plans. He wanted me to go to Los Angeles. I was willing to go to the farthest place on the planet. And God says, ah, no, I want you to go to LA. So anyway, that's why we're here. But nonetheless, it's like that city means a lot to me. And so there's this chaos that's happening around our world. Yes, this side of heaven, life can be hard, no matter who we are or where we live, because this world is full of pitfalls. This world is full of distractions. 
And every time we refuse to go and see all that God desires us to see, the farther away we stray from God's perfect will for our lives. Did you get that? The farther away we stray from God's perfect will, we stray from his perfect plan for us. Notice what these two disciples did in verse 39. It simply says, they came and they saw. Yes, by following the Lord, they ended up seeing more than they could have ever imagined. For they saw who Jesus really was, that he was the promised Messiah, that he was the Savior of the world. Now we'll see just how this new information in their lives affected their lives. Let's pick up and read in John chapter 1, verse 40. It says, Now one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found first his own brother Simon. And he said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. We'll stop there for a moment. Yes, there was something so much more for Andrew than just seeing where Jesus lived. He was cut to his own heart. He knew that he knew that this Jesus was the promised Messiah. And he couldn't contain it. He had to tell somebody about it. So he immediately goes to his own brother, who just happened to be Peter, who will become the apostle Peter. I could imagine Andrew almost jumping out of his skin. I mean, think about it. How would you have done what he did? Would you have casually walked up to your brother? Hey, how's fishing today, Peter? You know, hey, did you catch anything? Hey, how's the wife? Hey, what did you do last night? Did you go to the movies? I mean, it's like, oh, by the way, I was talking to, you know, Jesus, the Messiah, you know, the long-awaited Savior of the world. Yeah, he's actually God in the flesh, the creator of the universe. I mean, how would you have said it? You wouldn't have done that. You would have done what Andrew probably did. He probably ran up to his brother, completely out of breath, fell at his feet and says, you have to come right now. You have to see this right now. Hurry, let's go. I could see him grabbing his cloak. He brought him to Jesus. And it said in verse 42 that Jesus looked at him. This could be better translated as saying, Jesus looked right through Peter. Yet Jesus clearly saw everything about him as he knows everything about you and me. The Bible says that God has searched us. Meaning that he has explored us. He has penetrated us. He knows the very core of our being. Meaning, God doesn't just look on the outside, how you do your hair, how you dress today, how you wear your makeup. Talking about girls there, but anyway, whatever, okay? But it's like, you know, he doesn't just look at our outward appearance. He looks through us. He understands what we're made of. He understands our character, our lack of. He knows everything. And here, notice the first thing that Jesus did was change his name from Simon to Peter. Now, Peter means a small stone, a rock, kind of a chip off the old block kind of thing. Yet Peter seemed to be the polar opposite of a rock. Why? Because Peter had so many flaws. He was kind of flamboyant. Peter was definitely impetuous. And he's always seemed to put his foot into his mouth. 
I mean, think about the up and down life that Peter had with Jesus, like the time Jesus came walking on the water. The disciples thought he was a ghost. You remember the story. They were told to get in the boat and go to the other side. It was the Sea of Galilee, and it was at night. It was late. There's no lights out. It's pitch black, and a big storm came up. And they were fighting and and just, you're trying to struggle to try to get the boat to the other side and they couldn't get there and they were being swept away and all of this and they were getting afraid and it was a little creepy. It's pitch black and the wind's blowing and all this stuff and, you know, they're a little freaked out. So Jesus decided to just walk to the other side on top of the water. And it seemed like he was just going to pass the boat by and just keep on walking. And when they saw him, I guess he was like glowing the dark Jesus at the moment. They thought it was a ghost and they were all freaking out. But it was Peter that said, Lord, if that's you, say that I can come out of the boat and walk over to you. And so Jesus says, okay, well, come on. So Peter jumps out of the boat. He starts walking on the water. Now, we're not told exactly what happened. Maybe he turned around to the other disciples like, hey, guys, look at this. You know, it's like, you know, who knows what he was doing? You know, but maybe a wave came up and smacked him upside the head. All we know is somehow he took his eyes off of Jesus and then he immediately started to sink in the water. He cried out to the Lord, oh, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached down, picked him up and put him back into the water. Well, it just kind of tells us, you know, make sure you don't take your eyes off of Jesus. But that's the first time that Peter lived up to his new name. And how is that? Because when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he sank like a rock, you know. But anyway, then there was another time when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. And Peter says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. I could see Peter thinking like, all oh, these other disciples, they're not getting it. There's a, there's a bigger message here, and they're all missing it. So when Jesus came to wash Peter's feet, he says, no, Lord, you will not wash my feet. And then Jesus just simply looked into the eyes of Peter and said, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no place in my kingdom. Peter then said, well, give me a whole bath. Get the rubber ducky out. You know, it's like, you know, and Jesus says, no, you don't need a whole bath. I'll just wash the feet. Okay. But, uh, and then there was Peter's famous foot in the mouth comment on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember what happened there? Jesus allowed only Peter, James, and John to go with him. And he went up on the mount, and he was praying. And this is a typical thing in the Bible. You'll find where Jesus is praying, and the disciples fall asleep. Sounds like something I would do. Yes, Lord, let's pray. You know, so anyway, those guys are out for the count. They're taking a nap. Well, this is where Jesus revealed his true identity. Because when Peter woke up, he saw Jesus shining like the sun. His clothes were as white and bright as you could imagine. And he's talking to Moses and Elijah. How'd you like to wake up to that? He's like, oh my goodness. So Peter, instead of just observing this unbelievable thing that he's watching, he starts talking. It's like... You know, Lord, it's good that we're here. You know, I could see Moses and Elijah. Who's that? You know, it's like, it's good that we're here. We'll build three tabernacles, one for you, Jesus, one for you, Moses, and one for you, Elijah. And then that's when the voice came from another part of the, you know, uh, triunity of God. And the father spoke to him from heaven and said, "Uh, yes, Peter, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. It was a nice way of saying, shh, quiet. Listen to him. This is why my wife will tell me at times, not all things need to be spoken. Yes, that's a good part of marriage counseling. You know, you don't always have to comment on every little thing. You can be quiet. Okay, yes. Uh, Then there was the granddaddy of them all. 
This happened at the Last Supper. Jesus said to his disciples that one of them would forsake him. Now, of course, Jesus was talking about Judas Iscariot, the dirty rat that was going to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. But of course, you know, uh, that's when Peter stood up and says, you know, Lord, though all of these chumps here will deny you, I will never deny you. I mean, think about just the scenario there. Here you are with the 12 disciples. You've got these faithful men that have been following Jesus for three and a half years of his earthly ministry. This is the night that they're going to literally capture Jesus and start beating him and preparing him to be hung on the cross. So Jesus is saying, look, someone's going to deny me here. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, though all of these little riffraff guys here deny you, I will not deny you. Well, pride goes out before a fall. And that's where Jesus looked at Peter and said, you know, Peter, before the rooster crows this morning, you will have already denied me three times. And he did deny him three times. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly because of that. That's all the time we have for this message. But join us next time as we continue our study in the Gospel of John. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Court Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Court Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Court Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at courtchurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.